Welcome to episode two of the Papal Pleasantries podcast. I'm your host, Luke, and today I thought a really good topic that we could talk about would be the topic of understanding, particularly understanding in regards to the keys to the Christian life. And so today I brought on one of my good friends from back home, Emmanuel, and he's going to talk about how he grew up and how him growing up affected how he lived out his Christian life. But first, I want to begin with a prayer. And so let's remember that we're in God's presence. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for allowing us to wake up and live another day in this beautiful life, which you gave us. Help us to be courageous, to be bold, and to not be afraid to live out our faith. And Mother Mary, please watch over us as always. And so, let's say the prayer that the Lord gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so as I said earlier, I brought one of my friends on, Emmanuel Levy, from back home. Really good friend of mine growing up. Went to rival schools. I, I still I forgive him for that. I think it was the wrong decision, but no, I'm just messing. But, dude, welcome. Thanks for thanks for joining. Yeah, no, thank you so much for letting me be on this podcast. I'm glad to be your first guest, and I'm just really excited to talk about this topic. Yeah. Okay, you passed. You're, you're good. Okay, no, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, so I say we just jump straight into the topic. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your faith life like growing up? Was it kind of easy to be a Catholic? Was it kind of hard? Just give us a little, a little detail on it. Yeah, so for me, I grew up um, credo Catholic, just like you, Luke. And we went to a weekly mass, and I went have my first communion, had first confirmation, reconciliation, did all the sacraments at the usual times. So... In that sense, it was easy to be a Catholic, and I went to Catholic school, Catholic high school, and I go to Catholic college. So in that sense, growing up, it was easy to know about the faith and be involved in the faith. But as you'll, as I'll talk about later, there definitely are some points where it gets really hard to dig deeper in the faith. But from a background sense, I had definitely a really great foundation for my parents for what it was to be Catholic. They were great examples in my life. Did you feel like you were kind of like going through the motions in yeah. high school and like early on? Yeah, I think it was definitely in waves. Like as I, I feel like freshman year in high school, I was like, as I was learning more, I was like, oh, this is cool. Then I wanted to get more involved and then got into the motions. Oh, going with my friends, social events and with our CYO, our Catholic youth organization for those of you that don't know. And it was fun, but there was also a lot of going through the motions. And I've realized in the past like few months how much I really was going through the motions. Yeah, shoot. No, definitely, definitely was the same for me in high school. It wasn't until I think I went on tech retreat. For those of y'all who don't know, it's a retreat called Teens Encounter Christ. But that one really started the fire in me to actually care about my faith life. But so in talking and talking with you earlier, it seemed that understanding was kind of a key word that you used throughout our conversation. And so how do you how is your understanding, I don't want to say understanding of God, because it's kind of, I mean, we can't fully understand God, but how is your understanding of God throughout high school and even into college kind of morphed your faith life and how you live your Christian life? Right. So understanding God, I'm not saying I understand him fully or I completely know what's up, but I think for me, <laughs> one good experience that helped me grow in my faith to understand just a little bit more about who God was, who his nature, his loving nature, was my junior year of high school when I went on the March for Life. And on the March for Life, 
the first night we had adoration and I had been going through somewhat of like spiritual dryness, not that good of a relationship with God. It was more of a, I ask God and hopefully he does it or bargaining type of relationship with God. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I was, not the closest, but I wanted to go on the March for Life, pro-life, good cause, going with my friends. It would have been fun. And God had a lot more in store for me. So that first night, during adoration in front of the blessed blessed sacrament, the song "Reckless Love" came on, and That's that was one. yeah, that yeah. was like one of my favorite songs at the time. And it was like it happened so early in adoration. And for those of you that don't know, one of the lyrics is like he leaves the ninety nine, and he does that because he loves each one of us. Each one of us is important to him. And so I had I had been hearing that song. But I feel like I didn't truly understand the lyrics until that moment. And it was a short and simple yet powerful moment that I needed right there in that moment. And so that was the experience that really ignited the small fire within me, drawing me closer to God, drawing me to understanding Him more by understanding His love for me. So that's what I mean by understanding, not understanding the greatness of God and all of the complexities, but just understanding how God loves me and loves each one of us in that moment in the true presence. Yeah, well, actually, speaking of that lyric, the Leave the 99, it's my, this how dumb I was in high school. I didn't understand that that referenced the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, it just took me years to figure that out. I I was just like, I was, I don't know, it was a a dumb boy moment Mm -hmm. on my part. No, I think that song just is so awesome. Just like the name, like, Reckless Love. We, God knows that we're going to fall, we're going to stumble, we're going to wander away, but he keeps loving us, and that's just reckless. Like, who would do that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I would. I, so. Dude, I, I, I would, that's, uh, yeah, it's, I would definitely couldn't ever. But, yeah, okay, so you just, so you mentioned, like, how your understanding of God, not, like, in regards to, I don't want to say, like, knowledge, but in regards to having an encounter with God. So you talked about like how that was important. How is your understanding, like shifting gears a bit, understanding of others affected your growth as a man of faith and a man for others? Yeah, so understanding others is very important. Because as you know, we live with other people. We're made for community. God is a community, three persons and one, the Trinity. And obviously living in community isn't easy. And so I want to share an experience that I had in high school that best shows how we need to live in community and how there's gonna be lots of hardships. So for me, I had a falling out, unfortunately, with one of my closest friends in high school at the end of our senior year. We had known each other since elementary school and we had become good friends since freshman year. But there was a lot of combination of events and kind of just a divergence of our like values in general. And we hadn't talked about it because, you know, we're guys. So a lot of tension just built up. Yeah. And led up to this moment, which ended up being around March, which also coincided with COVID for my senior year. So we no longer were forced to see each other in school and talk to each other. So we didn't. And after that moment, things really just went downhill quickly. And we kind of just had this falling out, this abrupt ending. Nothing happened. We tried to talk it out. Nothing really worked. And we hadn't talked to each other for a year after that. So now after my freshman year of college, I hadn't talked to one of my closest friends in a year. And I just had this restlessness in my heart because I hadn't really resolved it. I wanted to have reconciliation with my friend. Even if it wasn't going to reconcile our friendship, I wanted to reconcile our relationship. Yeah. And so we ended up randomly seeing each other at one of our high school football games when I came home for the semester of my sophomore year. And he was a completely changed person. I was a changed person. And we talked it out. We forgave each other. I forgave him. He forgave me. 
We talked about all the things we messed up and how immature we were back then. And even though we didn't, from that moment, we didn't become best friends again, it was good to know that that relationship was restored and that he was someone I could still talk to if I ever needed anything. And it was just showed God's like compassion and mercy that we really need to have in our lives because as much as we think that others will disappoint us, we will disappoint others just as much. So that's why we need to understand God's love for us. And by understanding God's love, then we can share that and his mercy and compassion with others. That's very, dude, that's profound. That's <laughs> profound. Okay, so you mentioned compassion. How big of a factor do you think that is informing us as people? Because I find that sometimes it's hard to to kind of have that compassion towards others, especially when they wrong you or, I mean, I mean you don't really like them. Like you said, mm-hmm. a falling out in high school. That's definitely happened for me. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is with guys. It's kind of just like yeah, just, just kind of just let it build up. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, how how big do you think compassion is in regards to forming our faith lives as Catholics? Yeah, I think compassion is very important. The Latin root word was of this word didn't take Latin in high school, but remember hearing this in a talk <laughs> that compassion literally means to suffer with. And I think that's just the best way. You think, oh, I have compassion for you. Like you feel bad. That's really like sympathy. But compassion is really suffering with that person, like walking hand in hand with them, suffering as they suffer through what they go through. And it's definitely really hard when you haven't gone through that experience to have compassion. So I think it's also important to maybe not use it so freely, like, oh, I'm gonna have compassion for this person. But when you really don't understand, but it's good to strive for that. And I think that it's something that obviously Jesus has for all of us. And Jesus, by dying on the cross, living as a human, had hunger, had thirst, when had all the human problems, yeah. that he truly understands the human experience. And he is someone that can, that can perfectly have compassion with all of us. So I think just by trying to live like Christ did and having compassion for others is something that we just need to continue striving for. Dude, I like that. Okay, so I know, I know you, had, you, had mentioned, you had mentioned this when you were um when we were talking of it but so you kind of see like understanding in a three tier so it's understanding of god of others and then of self so in order to understand others you have to be able to understand yourself so what what does that kind of look like like what are your thoughts on that right so i definitely like to encompass the understanding in like that order first we understand god then we need to understand those around us because we don't live in a bubble we don't live in solitude and so now lastly i think this is what happens in our development in general that we under we come to understand ourselves last in general because we we often try to find ourselves in others we have these role models we have these people we look up to the saints an older sibling an upperclassman someone on your same sports team but what's most important is that we need to find ourselves in christ find ourselves in god because even when someone asks like, who are you? Who is Luke? Who is Emmanuel? We say, oh, I'm the son of this person. I'm the daughter of this person. I go to this school. I'm from this neighborhood. We are really identifying ourselves by those things around us, our community, which isn't bad. But you see how we are identify ourselves first with those things around us. First thing when someone's asking, like, who are you? I don't say I'm Catholic. But then later in the conversation, they might ask me, oh, so how important is your faith? And I would say very important. But I never said that as the number one important yeah, it's never like identity for me right yeah so i know that's probably a big thing with a lot of us that it's like awkward maybe to say you're catholic maybe you don't know the other person's catholic don't mention politics and religion so i think that's something that's like can be really hard which is why when we try to find ourselves in others it's so like unfulfilling but find ourselves in christ is where we get the true true joy not just happiness but joy in life yeah a friend 
I like that a lot. A friend of mine in high school told me um, that you can't you can't give what you don't have. And so if your cup's not overflowing, then you can't you can't help other people without um, without that. And so not having compassion towards yourself, not like knowing Christ. Like you, you just, you can't bring other people towards God. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think understanding yourself is forefront understanding others. And so, yeah, you mentioned looking up to saints. Do you have any saint that in particular you see as someone you look up to or serves as a bit of a role model for you? Yeah. So I'm going to need to give a little background. So about probably a year ago, six months ago, three months ago, if I was trying to talk about the Christian life, it would have been very unauthentic. Because prior to this summer, I was still struggling with finding myself in Christ. Like I yeah. knew who God was, as I said it with my foundation, and I felt comfortable talking about God in like Bible studies and religion class and my theology classes. I knew all these facts about God, but I didn't really know like the persons of God. I knew about Him, but I didn't know who He was. I knew maybe what He was. And so this summer, I really wanted to dive deeper in my faith, and it kind of happened unintentionally, but obviously through through God, this is why it all came to be. But back to the saints. So this past summer, my mom said that these relics were going to be going around the city. So she decided to bring us to go see the relics. And I really kind of didn't really know what I knew relics were something to do with the saints. And that was about it. Maybe like there were some graces or some holiness or something. <laughs> like, I really had no idea. I just I'm like, oh, this is, I guess, cool. I don't really know. But relics are, for those of you that don't know, quick little background, they're divided into three categories. So first class relic is a body part of a saint, such as bone, blood, or flesh. A second class relic are possessions that a saint owned. And third class relics are objects that have been touched to a first or second class relic. So they used to say, I did not know this. My mom did not know this as we went to go see these over 160 relics of saints. And we didn't really bring our, whatever, I guess, religious memorabilia, whatever (laughs) you want to call it. And so all I have is just like one of my crosses I got from confirmation, the four-way cross. And so now that became a a third-class relic because I went to see those relics. But something that the priest had told us was to search for a saint's friend, that there's going to be this saint calling out to you, reaching out to you to become your new friend. And I was all for that. I was ready, ready to find my saint friend. Like, yes, God, this is what I need. I need, I need someone. I need like someone that I can look up to, someone to guide me. But I also, she said, don't force it. And that's, that's exactly what I did. I forced it. And I was looking through the saints. Like they had little biographies about each of them next to the relics. And I was like reading all of them. Let me try to find like the niche little saint that no one really knows about. And that would be my special saint that no one knows. And I thought that would be like super cool. Like, let me find one that's like kind of like me. And Nisa said that didn't happen. I kind of left feeling like somewhat empty in the sense that I didn't find this like saint friend that I thought was calling out to me. But I did leave though with a greater purpose and understanding that we're all called to sainthood. Yeah. And that we really are all called to be saints. We say growing up, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a lawyer. But we really can say like when I grow up, I want to be a saint. Everyone who's a saint that we look up to, they all said that they wanted to be saints. And I also want to make a clarification between when I say capital S saint and lowercase s saint. So like Saint Clement, Saint Pius, all those saints, those are just the ones that the church 
knows are in heaven, but everyone that's in heaven is a saint. So I think about that. Just because the church hasn't recognized that someone is in heaven doesn't mean that they're not in heaven. And everyone that is in heaven is a saint. Yeah. And I, that was just mind blowing to me. I just thought these saints were these super holy people that were super cool. That was never possible for me. It's like, oh, we're all called to holiness and all called to sainthood, but we really truly can be saints. And that was just mind blowing for me. And so I ended up stumbling upon that my new saint friend ended up being that I found for the past like two months I've been looking into more is Saint Benedict. And Saint Benedict ended up being the complete opposite of what I was looking for. I was looking for that super niche saint that was maybe new and hip. I found one of the oldest saints that everyone knows about, <laughs> but you know, that's just my luck. And something that really struck out to me was St. Benedict's, one of his main phrases was ora et labora. And he is a saint from like around 500 AD and ora et labora means pray and work. So that was like his main phrase that really caught to me and I ended up buying a St. Benedict bracelet and that's kind of where my journey starts. So that's like a saint I've really been looking up to for the past couple months and diving into buying books, buying novenas and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, okay, speaking of relics, did I ever tell you the story about how my shins are like third class relics or something? Wait, did, okay. No, what? <laughs> okay, so this, no. okay, so I don't know if like theologically this is true or I don't know <laughs> if this is good on my part, but this was back when I was like a junior in high school. Um, I was at this, I was working a retreat for this organization, CCRNO, and then one time brought first class relics to one of the meetings and they said that they would like bless any objects we had mm-hmm. and so at the time my legs were were fractured i had a stress fracture in one of my legs and so me being the naive catholic i kind of was was i was like hey why don't i just get my my shins blessed mm-hmm. by this relic and see see if that helps <laughs> and so they they touched it to my shins and i mean i i guess by the transit of property, if that works for Catholicism, my shins are third. I don't really know. Not if that really sure, up, yeah. But I, I have to ask yeah. the priest about it to see how that works. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to go talk to Father. But yeah, no, dude, that's that's awesome though. So you had said aura et labora, like work and pray, is something Saint Benedict like Benedict was really big on. How do you? I mean, obviously, a generic question would be like, how do you think it's essential for us as Catholics to grow? Blah blah blah. blah. But like, like, how do you think the pairing of the two? like an equal balance of the two play into getting to heaven, like ultimately living a Christian life, a Catholic life, and turn like positively affecting others and drawing them closer to Christ. Yeah, I think that's the thing I love about St. Benedict. He's so simple and direct, but there's just so much meaning and so much complexity to it that on the surface, oh, praying work makes sense. But it really does have, <laughs> it really does have this scriptural yeah. um, background to it where we need faith and good works for heaven. So pray and work is how we can live out this Catholic life. And so I think the best way is through an example of pray and work, that balance. And for this example, I wanna, one of my role models is my mom. And the way that she lives out this pray and work lifestyle is by every day, she starts off her day with her daily prayer, her novenas, whatever devotion she might be doing and daily mass. And then she goes on, that's how she starts her day. Then she goes on to her Jesuit bike rides. Then she goes to work because she's an ER doctor at the Children's Hospital in our city. So we say she's a full-time mom, full-time doctor. But now something I want to be saying is she's full-time Catholic. She starts off her day praying to God to help her get through the day. She's not, you know, she's not doing it on her own. And that's how she gets her balance. She isn't praying 
nonstop, like 24 hours and not going to work, not helping with the family, not running errands because she's praying. But she starts off her day in prayer to help set her up on the right foot as she goes throughout her busy work life. So that's the type of balance that I think that we all need. We can't be all work, no prayer or all prayer, no work. We need both because like I said, we live in community. We can't just, we don't live in solitude. We need to work with others. We also need to remember that God is the most important. So just like lumping it all together by understanding our role in community with others, understanding the love God has for us and what we need to give God, that helps then bring it all together for what we need to do as individuals. Yeah, it's, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there has to be a lot of humility in order to like accept the fact that you can't do things alone. So like how your mom like starts off her day with prayer, like goes to mass, like knows that that's going to get her through the day. It's that that's very respectable because it, I I mean, I don't want to lump a lot of people in a group, but it's like, I can kind of look around and not really see people placing God at the forefront of their, it's not, not so much like judging the person, but kind of judging the action. And yeah, it's dude, I I can be a really stubborn person. Mm -hmm. I, there have been so many times in my past where I'm like, God, you know what? I'm not, watch this. Like, I'm going to do this by myself. And then I get completely, like, I dig myself in a hole and I'm just like, God, where were you? And then it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's a little slap on the face, like, for me to to have to wake up and realize that I can't do this alone. And yeah, for any of y'all who don't know, like, Emmanuel's mom is literally one of the coolest people. (laughs) Like, she's amazing Catholic, really great role model. But humility is such an important and essential aspect to our faith lives as Catholics. Yeah, can and I, Yeah, 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 you can, you can hop in, yeah. Yeah, I really liked what you just said there because I think it's like really easy. Every like spiritual book I've been like reading or heard about is how dangerous it is to be on the extremes of, oh, like very extreme like workaholic where you don't have time for, for prayer. You're just working, working, working. Make, like I got to provide for the family, don't yeah. have time for prayer. And then all your excuses for prayer, are, I have to work. But then something I've never thought about that I was reading about in this St. Benedict spirituality book was that when we do dive into our faith, I think it can become very easy to then become all pray and make excuses for why we can't do work or why we can't help others. We say, oh, sorry, I'm going to adoration or I'm praying. I don't have time to talk with this person that really needs my help. This person I haven't talked to in a couple months that really needs help right now. I have my prayer life to worry about. And I think that's really something we need to look out for to make sure that we don't become just like individuals just worrying about praying because it is important to have that individual time for prayer that's so so important but then we need to go beyond that and live out our prayer life live out this catholic values that we pray for that we ask god to help us with and then use that to then help others to have that compassion to suffer with others because that's so important just like with my mom i think she really just lives out her life as one of my friends says that she sees people that live their life as a prayer where everything she does is a prayerful work she's not maybe having individual prayer but she's doing everything through the grace of god with prayer in her heart so i just wanted to make that important point because a lot of times humility can be hard either way like oh, I work so hard, I'm so, I, I'm so successful, but also look look at me, I pray so much, I go to mass all the time, I go to adoration all the time, don't have time for you. So I think humility is really important on either side and something that I'm also working on myself to get that balance down correctly. Yeah, because I think a big thing as Catholics is we're called to evangelize to others and be witnesses of Christ to other people. And I find that a common problem, I mean, I, I like, I'll sometimes do this and I gotta keep myself in check, but it's, I focus so much on myself that I kind of 
forget about the other people around me who need Christ just as much as I do, if not more. And I feel like that's a big problem in today's day and age is it's the focus on the self and our culture adds into that, but it's, it just takes away from the focus on others because we're called to evangelize to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And yeah, big motto for my high school. Um, don't, don't, don't get mad at me. I know we were rivals and all, but I still, I forgive you for yeah. that. But it was ANDG, Latin, Ad Maiorum Dei Gloriam, which is for the greater glory of God. And I definitely fail most of the time to do this, but I try to do everything for God's greater glory. And I think that we all need to center our work lives, our daily lives, our school lives, literally everything you do. I mean, I don't want to say like, like using the bathroom or something like 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 that. Oh. But like, like 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 I'm talking like 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 I don't know like like cooking or like doing chores like something like that. Like doing it for God's greater glory because as menial or small a task as it is, it like even something like that can form you into a better Catholic and just a better person in general. And so yeah, you did you did talk about having a healthy balance. Do you think? Um, like I mean, obviously, th- I mean, this has happened to me where like I go on a retreat, um, and like you get a spiritual high, right. and you kind of ride the wave, and then when the wave dips, it's harder, and I mean, you just kind of feel burnt out. Mm-hmm. How do you? How would you say? Like, like, what's a good way to counteract a spiritual burnout? Yeah, so I think the three things that we need to prevent spiritual burnout is sustainability, consistency, and accountability. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so to bring that point home, the I have three examples. Love giving stories. So last summer, so a year ago, I went on this like retreat that Luke had been talking about, Tech Teens Encounter Christ, and I had felt I was on the spiritual high, felt like time for me to get back in, let me go to adoration. So I went to the adoration at my church parish and they have a lot of resources for you, which is really awesome. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna make new goals for myself. I saw this devotion to Mary. I saw devotion to the Sacred Heart. I saw a book about the saints and I was like, yes, I'm going to do all of those things. Like, that's really what I need to do. Oh, I'm going to also pray the daily rosary. I'm going to go to daily mass when I can. I'm going to go to adoration often. I was just adding on a lot of spiritual <laughs> burdens on myself that I couldn't handle. It wasn't sustainable and ended up falling through within like two or three days. I wasn't my, my morning prayer wasn't even there. So that's what I mean by sustainability. It needs to be something that we can sustain that isn't too much or too little, something that is where we're at in our faith journey. So something like starting off small is what we need to do for so safe. It's, so yeah. it's kind of like, like a building up. To, right, exactly. Yeah. So just like with any, just bring into like a workout routine, you can't start on the workout plan of an, of an NFL athlete. You need to start where you are, if you haven't worked out in two years, if you haven't prayed in two years, you can't go, oh, let me see, like, what was Mother Teresa doing? You need to start off where you can and start something and start building the blocks to where adding on a little, a little more every so often becomes more sustainable. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. It's, I've definitely struggled with that in past retreats that I've gone on or just like past, like big, big, like Catholic events that I've gone on a high from. I've just completely burnt out and just tanked. But I find that this past summer, Emmanuel and I worked the same tech retreat, which was shout out any any of y'all don't know what it is, just look it up online. Definitely go to one if you ever get the chance. But um, we we went on it, and we me Emmanuel and then two of our friends, me and Lindsay, we started going to daily mass like maybe like what like twice twice mm-hmm. a week or something. Yeah, and it's 
like that made me I don't, I don't even know how but it just like inspired me that once to go to mass and adoration more and so i don't know like like every day i try to go to one or the other right or like every other day and it's it's kind of just been starting small but i find that like i consistently can do it and i like actually want to do it which is the first time probably in my life that it's actually like it's it's so like prayer is just one of my main priorities which it's just never been yeah no it's been super awesome like it, going on this journey with you for this past summer this Dude, past like, couple yeah, months yeah it's accountability oh my gosh yeah it's so it's so essential and yeah you can't you can't do it alone it's just like uh martin luther failed when he said sola scriptura you can't, faith alone i mean you can't you can't do that i don't right. even know that was a horrible joke but <laughs> it didn't it didn't even make sense but yeah so i think um kind of like taking everything you said into account where would you say you are right now in your christian life yeah so i think now i'm still like still struggling but i'm getting better with like those things like sustainability consistency and accountability so like with consistency something i started i tried back in january to start father mike schmidt's bible in a year Ooh, yeah and i was like i you know what this is sustainable it's 20 minutes a day but i wasn't consistent I would maybe do in the morning. Oh, maybe I have a free time in the afternoon. Maybe I'll do in the evening before I go to bed. Oh, maybe I'll do it at a random time when I'm walking in between classes. I was doing it so sporadically that it wasn't a set time. Like all my classes had were scheduled. So that's why I need to make sure you need to make sure prayer life is scheduled. If I had just scheduled it into my day, I would have been able to keep up with it. It would have been something consistent. It was only 20 minutes a day and after a month. I'm surprised I made it that long that I, <laughs> that I ended up like kind of just it kind of falling off. Life got busy as it always does. But now I've restarted in, in, I guess, June. So I've been doing it for a couple months. I'm still behind like the reading days, but it's still like now I'm getting more so into the groove of consistency. And so like Luke said, with the um, daily mass a couple times a week, that's really helping with accountability, having people that will reach out and say, oh, hey, do y'all want to go to mass? Because I was not planning on going to mass, but was I wasn't doing anything else either. So I could have gone to mass, but it was this support group that, that was with me to help me through my times of like, oh, I don't feel like doing this, that holding me accountable. And so I think that's just been really helpful for me for the past summer, something that I've really enjoyed. But then I'm still having trouble understanding God. I said I had a little snippet of understanding God's love, but I still understanding God's like call to me. What am I called to do? Like what is scripture telling me to do? It's very hard. It's not easy at all because I'm someone that's very inquisitive. I want to know everything. Like I said, like I knew all the facts, but then now I really want to know I want to know everything about God. I want to know if something doesn't make sense, I need to understand it. Like transubstantiation how is that actually the body and blood it doesn't make sense to me it's just hard those are things i still struggle with just understanding like the trinity three persons in one i know it but it's just those are just the things that it's really hard for me to understand to grasp at because i'm very like scientific person i want to be a doctor so everything i just feel like needs to have like a lot of this evidence and reasoning and okay now it all makes sense but some things about god just don't make sense and that's still a struggle for me. And something that's helped me is this quote that I discovered by Mother Teresa. She says this to her other missionaries. She says, I worry some of you still have not really met Jesus one-to-one, you and Jesus alone. We may spend time in the chapel, but have you seen with the eyes of your soul how he looks at you with love? Do you really know the living Jesus, not from books, but from being with him in your heart? Have you heard the loving words he speaks to you? Ask for grace. He is longing to give it. End quote. 
So this, I was reading this in adoration and I was just like, whoa, this is exactly what I'm feeling. I spent time in the chapel. I spent time in the mass. I'm reading the books, but I am not seeing Jesus face to face, one to one. And so this new prayer that I have that I just felt called to when I was in adoration is just, I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying. It's very simple, but I think it's very powerful for me. And I feel like it can be a powerful prayer of like, I'm trying to understand. I'm just trying. That's all. That's why that's what we're called to. We're called to try. And so I just love Mother Teresa. And so I'm really glad I found this quote. Yeah, I think well, speaking of Mother Teresa, I like that quote a lot. There was another quote she said, it was in the, it was, it's the Marian Consecration, 33 Days to mm-hmm. Morning Glory. Yeah, it's the same, but it's, same place. Yes, yeah, it's the same, same place. Yeah. <laughs> but this is one, it's, um, it's talking, I'm, I'm going to, I don't even, I don't know the book on me, but I'm going to botch the quote, but it's like, she talks about the kiss of Christ and how, like, the closer you get to the kiss of Christ, the more suffering there is. And I feel like that's kind of the case for our Christian life is, I think people feel like it gets a lot easier, but your crosses only get harder. And like Luke 9, 23 talks about, it's like, um, if anyone is to follow me, he must like deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. But it's like Christ wants to help you bear your cross. But I think there's just, there needs to be humility as we talked about earlier to actually allow Christ to be willing to help take that burden for you. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so, I, I love thinking about this stuff. The kiss of Christ thing. I remember I was just reading that one night. And I just sat there and I was like, whoa, it's, it's, it was like crackhead hour for me. It was like, it was like past my bedtime. This was like nine o'clock or something. Maybe a little earlier now before my bedtime story, but no, it was, dude, it was, it was so, it's so cool. But I think more importantly, how, how do you think we should go into prayer to ask God for the grace to, to, I don't, I don't know, like it's hard to put in the words, kind of to live a better Christian life or to receive the grace to live a better Christian life. Because I feel that sometimes we can just go in blindly, not really knowing how to ask for the proper things in life or mm-hmm. just, I don't know, just kind of just like a blindness to prayer, blindness to God. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I know. Like where to start? That's always the hardest thing because you can go in with a lot. You can go in with too little. I think the best place to start is with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Just start praying to the Holy Spirit. I think that's like kind of the unfor- like the forgotten. Yeah, I, I definitely of, yeah. do. I, yeah. So like, remember, oh, God, the father, big deal. Like, I really need, like, I really need you to pull through. Jesus, oh, hey, like, you're my pal, you're like, my buddy. What's up, what's up, man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then the Holy Spirit is kind of just throughout scripture in the whisper. Um, But we always forget about the Holy Spirit. And so I think that's why we should start with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit for those of us that have been confirmed, we have these graces. We have the fruits of the Holy Spirit now as our weapons. All we need to do is ask for them. Ask for these different fruits from the Holy Spirit to guide our prayer life. That's where we really need to start. Start small. Start with, Lord, just give me courage. Give me perseverance. Give me humility. Give me perseverance. Give me fortitude. Whatever we need for that day to be able to live out a Catholic life, to live out our Christian values. That is where we need to start. And from there, it will just grow. I think I think it was funny because when he, I, y'all probably couldn't hear it on the mic, but when he said fortitude, like a big boom of thunder just happened. That was, yeah, I don't know. That was really <laughs> random. But yeah, I feel like, like with the Holy Spirit, once we get confirmed, it's just, there's kind of a, I don't want to say you put the Holy Spirit in the back burner, but mm-hmm. I mean, like confirmation is kind of just the biggest thing people address the Holy Spirit with and you just kind of forget about it. Right. It's just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it really goes a long way to even in the beginning of a prayer, like after you make the sign of the cross, just 
silently say like once or twice, just come Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's and it's it's just like it really it just brings you into God's mm-hmm. presence and it's just really it brings a lot of peace to you. But yeah, no, that's dude, that's really cool. No, no, I, I really like like love the Holy Spirit. Like something that our parish priest said at a homily was confirmation is not graduation and that we really need to keep on learning and which is like something that I love. I love to learn. But something I used to worry about though is that the more I dove into the Catholic faith, the more I would find like this lack of evidence, this lack of reason, something, oh, Catholic faith is easily disproved. And that, that's what I was really worried about when I was like, oh gosh, if I go into really trying to hunker down on my Catholic faith, find out why they teach what they teach, I'm just going to find so much stuff that just says it's wrong. I'm wrong. They're wrong. But just in these past few months from all these podcasts I've been listening to, devotions, the Mary consecration, I've just found like the complete opposite. I now just feel so much more confident, so much more convicted in my beliefs because these are not new beliefs. These are not new teachings. These are also questions that have been asked for the past 2000 years about Jesus, about his identity. These have been developed by the church. And so the questions that I have, the questions that you have, the questions that we all have, are the same questions that were asked a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago. They're still being asked today. And I think the Catholic Church gives us lots of resources to tell us this is why we believe what we believe. And there's evidence, there's reason. Because our faith is not one of just pure blind faith. There are moments where we need to take a leap of faith. Yeah. And we don't know what the outcome will be. But our faith is also one of faith and reason, which I blew my mind. I thought it was kind of just, oh, there's no reason behind it. There's a lot of facts. There's a lot of evidence. And it's up to us to, with all that evidence, we can have all the evidence and facts in the world, but it's still up to us to then use those evidence and those claims to then take the leap of faith to believe or not to believe. Yeah, I feel like questioning your faith is a big part of growing as a Catholic. Like at one time, this was back when I was a kid, but a priest was, we used to have at Emmanuelized Church Parish. Uh, his name was Father David. He, I was one time in confession with him and I was asking him because I thought, like I'd kind of been at a point, this was back in high school, I think like sophomore, junior year, but I was kind of questioning my faith a bit. Like, and I, I asked him, I was just like, Father David, like, am I being a bad like a bad Catholic for doing that. And he said, no, it's quite the contrary is that shows that you're actually being a a good Catholic because Mm -hmm. by questioning it and being like, is this actually legit? Like, is this real? Is this worth my time? It shows that you actually care and you actually are growing as a Catholic because you want to learn more and just kind of like, is the word delve or dive? No, like dive, dive into, that's a proper word, but dive, dive more properly into your faith. And so I definitely think that's essential is like, we're going to live and we're going to die not knowing it all. Just as, as we talked about earlier, understand yourselves. It's crazy to think that even we don't know everything about ourselves. Only God knows that. And mm-hmm. so we will live, like you can live to be a hundred years old and you still will not know like half of the things about yourself, which is just, it's so scary yeah. to realize that. But it's also kind of cool at the same time. But yeah, not that I think I'm going to live to be a hundred, but I don't know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's, that'd be pretty it's cool. my, I'm, I'm shooting for 80, 82, yeah. 82. Yeah, you that's, like, that's my year. You're like a happy birthday from the president. <laughs> Congratulations for being 100. You, you passed the test, but um, maybe that's the only time I'll actually get 100, you know, in this school. But no, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, shoot. Do you have, you have anything else though? Yeah. So if we have time, I have one last little quote slash thing I heard from <sighs> Father Mike Schmidt. I mean, I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, it's Father Mike, so I'm mean, yeah. making an exception. But so um, on a talk I heard, he said that there's this often phrase that we hear a lot 
of pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on yourself, which makes sense. Like have this prayer life, pray to God, be really deep in this spiritual life. And then work though, like pretend God isn't there. So you're working super hard. And then, then hopefully the prayer life plus your own personal work will combine and everything will be good, which is important. Like, yes, pray God, you gotta pray and you gotta work just as we've been saying, but he also flipped that phrase on its head where he said, what if you think about it as if pray, as if everything depends on yourself and work as if everything depends on God. This doesn't mean that we can't rely on God to help us in prayer or that God won't answer our prayers. But I think when you think about it in that way, pray as if everything depends on yourself means more so that this deepness, this relationship we have with God depends on ourselves because God is already giving fully of himself. It's just us find, like seeing and realizing him in our lives. So God already has half of the relationship done where he's just giving. And so we need to be able to receive and give back to God. That's what I mean. Praise of everything depends on yourself, that we need to dive deep into our faith, learn, pray. And that surface level prayer that I know that, that we all have, that I have, it's just not as fulfilling. And so then when I mean work is everything depends on God, doesn't mean, it again, doesn't mean sit on your couch, all your problems will be solved. But it means work after you've prayed, work with those graces that you ask from the Holy Spirit, those those graces, those fruits to help you in your daily life because those graces are from God. So work as if everything depends on God, that those graces you get from God will be the things that get you along through the day. It's not yourself that gets, that helps you out. It's God that helps you with everything that you do that's working within you. So then that also just helps circling back to humility that by everything that you do, you say, not my will, but your will be done. It wasn't me. It was all God. So again, by centering the things you do back to God and you say, oh, all this good work I was able to do, this person's a good doctor, this person's really good service, really good speaker. We can again say it was through the Holy Spirit. It wasn't my own doing. It was because of God. So I think that's one way I like to see the quote flipped on its head, even though I love the quote, the regular way, praise of everything to God. And I I love, I think it might've been St. Aug that said that, but I think it's really important so just look at it both ways, have that balance, see it both ways. So, yeah. Yeah, I know Elizabeth Ann Seton says, if you're to do his work, the strength will be given to you. And I just, I feel like there's a lack of confidence sometimes in people. Is that like God, Father Jack Philippe, just a shout out, he's amazing guy. But um, he writes his book, Search for Maintaining Peace. It's like God has already won every single battle. Like he's conquered and he's conquered death. And so if you have God on your side, you will win. Mm-hmm. And so it just doesn't make sense to not have confidence that he'll he'll pull you through any situation you're going through, like any trouble you have. And so I just, I feel that there, and I mean, I've never been to talk. Like I, I definitely have my moments where I'm like, eh, I'm like, yeah. like, like, just like that trust. It's so yeah, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, it's so, it's already the trust, but that's so essential for a relationship with God, a relationship. I mean, it's just for pretty much like every single relationship like dating, marriage, friendship, your like relationship with God, it literally is essential for everything is trust is mm-hmm. the most, like trust and love are the two most essential aspects to those relationships. Yeah. Not that I'm Dr. Chemistry, a professional <laughs> doctor of no, love or something, yeah. but it's like, I mean, it's just, it's just basic knowledge. Yeah. If you lack the two or lack at least one of the two, then it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know, dude, that's, dude, that's really profound. I mean, do you have anything else or do you think? 
I, th- I think we've we've hit it all. Yeah, dude. Heck yeah, shoot. Well, <laughs> it's been it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for thanks for joining. Um, yeah, no, thank you again for letting me be a guest. It, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and you'll 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 probably be invited to future podcasts if I'm, if I'm, if, I'm feel, if I'm feeling nice. Yeah. You know, it just depends on how I'm feeling. If you catch me in a grumpy <laughs> grumpy mood, but yeah, shoot. Okay, so I think I know I know we started in a prayer, but. One of my friends, um, shout out Lydia, gave me some feedback and she thinks that I should also end with a prayer. And I was like, wait, that's actually a really good idea. So I'm going to start and end the podcast with a prayer. So yeah, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Uh, Thank you, God, for this conversation. Thank you for Emmanuel, for his witness, for his just Catholic life, for the influence he's had on other people. Uh, please bless us and help us to understand you, to understand others, and to ultimately understand ourselves so that we can better serve you and better glorify you. And we ask this as we pray. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.